thank you for coming to the home show. You know, I could try to spice it up and make it sound all radio-ish, but I'm just happy that you gave us an opportunity. If you're someone looking to educate yourself so that you can purchase a home for you and your family, this is the place. Sit back, take some notes, and enjoy the show. What up, what up, what up? Hey guys, it's your resident online mortgage lender, Robert Lewis, NMLS license number 180100. Did I say that right? 180100. There you go. Welcome to the home show. At the home show, we seek to help first time home buyers as well as experienced home buyers secure the right financing for their needs. Today's show topic concerns the crucial documents you must have before applying for a home loan to avoid any surprises or disappointments. So get your pen and pads out and get ready to take some notes. So the first place I want to start, guys, is income, your proof of income. That seems like a logical place to start, right? So I'm going to go a little different direction with it, though. Because I know you guys know a lot of the stuff that, you know, is kind of surface level. So let's look at it this way. The first document, okay, or the documents initially that we as lenders really want to see is your income. That comprises of the most recent 30-day snapshot, okay, uh, and your W-2s for those of you that have an employer, w 2 uh, uh, for the most recent two years, possibly three. Okay. And the corresponding tax returns. All right. Now we as lenders, um, we need this information so we can determine your ability to repay by how much money you have coming in. Okay. And it's very important. It's critical in the pre-approval process and determining how much home you could possibly qualify for. And these documents are, are very important because there's so many nuances to how your income is calculated, right? So with that said, I want to get into some of the whys, the why we as lenders want this information, okay? And so we want to prove your ability, as I said, to repay more importantly, the stability of your income. Uh, whenever we get the final number for your income after you supply those documents, we're really looking and trying to make the assumption that you will receive said income for three years into the future. OK, uh, the next thing is we want to determine how much of your income we could use. I know as a potential home buyer, you know, if you're making commission or bonuses or per diem and things of that nature, you just look at it as income. Hey, it's my income and I should be able to use it. But on the lending side of things, we look at it differently in that, again, are we comfortable with making the assumption that you're going to receive this income into the future? Three years. That's the test, right? So in order to get some of these different types or sources of income, bonus, overtime, things of that nature, we have to go back two years, okay? to get an average and then look at where you are year to date and 
If you don't know this, we're always going to look at it at the or in the most conservative light possible. Okay. We also want to determine if you have any undisclosed debts, i.e., child support, or uh, I've seen some employees have different types of loans that you are responsible for paying back for supplies and things of that nature. So uh, the pay stub really tells a story. It tells a lot. Okay. It's very important. And then for our self-employed or business owners, you know, we want those 1099s and your actual tax returns. And we'll get into that a little later, but uh, tax returns for the two most recent years, and then your year to date profit and loss statement. So that's the why behind we need that information or why we look into your income. Again, want to go a little deeper and give you guys some explanation as to how a lender looks at these items. Okay. Now, the next thing I want to deal with is the what, what you need to supply. Again, mentioned it in the prior slide, but we just want to go over it again. So your pay stubs, the most recent 30 days. So here's the deal. You have, if you're a W-2 employee, you're either paid once a month. Okay. Semi-monthly first and 15th or the 15th and the 30th. All right bi-monthly, that's 26 pay periods a year. And if you're a bi-monthly employee or pay frequency, we need your three most recent pay stubs so we could get a 30-day average, okay? Uh, and then uh, weekly, where you'll have four statements. So again, there are nuances to how you're paid. Uh, also, we're going to look at your tax returns. Two to three years, I would say get your most recent three years, the, the, the most recent year that you filed and the two prior, because some of you guys may be looking for down payment assistance and some of these other programs that require us validating that you've not been a homeowner or had interest in a home in the most recent three years. So you might as well gather this documentation up front. The corresponding W-2s and or 1099 slash K-1s, depending on how your business is structured. OK, uh, if you're on any type of fixed or retirement income, we need the most recent award letter. All right. For the proof of that income. And then there's other sources of income, more, more commonly child support. If you're receiving child support, we need to prove that you've received it for the most recent 12 months and that you're going to receive it three years into the future. So hopefully that makes sense. Let's move forward now. How this is this is a sticking point, and this is something that we'll cover throughout this video. But I want to give you some hows or where you can go to get this information if you don't have it. Nowadays, in the 21st century, most of you should have either an employee portal on the corporate website, or if you're working for a smaller company or employer, a lot of folks, ADP or any of these payroll services, they have apps where you guys can go and download your pay stubs and your W-2s for the pre prior years or however long you've been working there. It's a repository. Um, you can go to your HR department. Some company still has a, ha has a person that their job, one of their uh, job descriptions is to complete verifications of employment. Uh, it'd be great for you to know and understand who that person is or what that process is prior to you applying so you can give that information to your lender because your lender is the one that has to provide that information. Okay. It's all about checks and balances. So, um, 
verification of employment or the HR department. And then if you're a business owner, your CPA, if you have one or going into your uh, software that you deal with, uh, QuickBooks, things of that nature, you should be able to print out a, a profit and loss statement fairly easy. So this is a how or where you can go as uh, someone that's preparing to qualify for a loan so that you can you know, gather your documents. So now with that said, the second step or stage or type of documentation we want to talk about is your assets. Okay. And so again, uh, assets include things such as bank statements, investment accounts, and, you know, brokerage accounts. Uh, and there are other assets that, uh, you know, we may as lenders want you to provide to us. Okay. The key thing is with these assets that I want you to understand is that you want to think about things that you can liquidate. Let me give you an example. Uh, a lot of times on application, folks will put their vehicles and things of that nature. And I'm not saying that there's not a value to your vehicle as an asset, but in, in, unless you're going to liquidate or sell said asset, that's not the type of things that we're looking for on the application. Again, you want to be in great communication with your lender so you guys can determine what an asset is and not, but more than, you know, nine times out of 10, what we're looking for are checking, savings, 401ks, uh, brokerage accounts, things that you can liquidate and turn into cash for the purposes of, of validating where your uh, down payment and closing costs are coming from, right? So let's move forward. Um, uh, let's get into the why. There you go. So why we as lenders want these things, okay? Uh, and I apologize for the typo, I just saw that, but we want to source where your down payment and closing costs are coming from, what the source is. Nowadays, here's the, here is what you need to know when it comes to documentation for a mortgage loan. We want to know where it's coming from, how it got to you, and the corresponding paper trail. So a lot of you guys get direct deposits from your employer. If you look on your bank statement, it'll tell you the name of the employer and it's coming into your account. Okay. That's the paper trail. If you do something otherwise, remember, we always have to have the paper trail where there's no gaps. And the reason for that is because of the Patriot Act. Uh, we want to make sure that there's no funding of terrorism and things of that nature. <laughs> right. And so it's not something that I or your lender is trying to get into your business or anything of that nature. But there's several rules and laws in place that we have to make sure that we're following to make sure that the money is yours and it, it came from an acceptable source. We'll say it that way. Just as an aside on conventional loans, uh, typically any deposit, cash deposit that does not have a source, okay, that is 50% or more of your verified income, the validated income that we're we give you, that's why it's very important to send the information up front, then there's really no additional documentation. FHA is typically 1% of the total loan amount. So anything that exceeds 1% of the total loan amount, then you would have to validate and have some extra documentation. Why else are we looking at asset statements and things of that nature, in particular bank statements in this case? Trying to see if you have any non-sufficient fund fees, right? Again, your bank statement, tells the story. Give me two months, three months of your bank statement. And I, I pretty much can underwrite your loan because 
it gives a history like or akin to the credit report of your behavior, right? And so if you have non-sufficient fund fees, think about it, might not be a good thing, but what you want to do is divulge all of this information to your lender up front. Hopefully you're dealing with someone that knows how to advocate for you, i.e. we're not going to submit certain things, not that we're breaking any rules, but we're not going to do anything to hurt you, but you got to be dealing with somebody that you know, like, and trust. And I think one of the big misconceptions is uh, that all lenders, when you submit information, is going directly to an underwriter. Uh, we're going to do another video on how to choose a lender, but that's not the case. I'll just leave it there. Okay. Uh, and lastly, we want to establish reserves for after closing. I call those compensating factors. That's what they're called in the business. And you have to understand when we're making a decision, a determination to lend you hundreds of thousands of dollars, we want to do so in the most conservative way possible without any layering of risk. Okay. And then after you've closed and funded, we want to make sure that, hey, if something happens, you have some cash reserves to go to. And typically it's two months, two months of whatever your principal interest tax and insurance payment is. So that's the why. Right now, let's get into how uh, not the how, but the what. OK, um, you need to supply. OK, and the how, if you will. So we want statements covering the most six, the most recent 60 days from your bank statements, your brokerage accounts, your asset statements. Okay. All pages, guys, all pages. Even if you got a bank statement that says one of five and page one and three doesn't have anything on it. We need it. It needs to be a complete document. And the best way to do so is to provide documents in a PDF format. Uh, I, I can speak for ourselves. We also have a nice app where you can take pictures. If you're going to take pictures, make sure the entire document is in frame. Nothing is cut out and then do the test before you submit it. Do the pinch test, right? I think that's what you guys do when you blow up a document. If it gets blown out and it's not legible, we can't use it. So those are just some of the uh, some some tips for you to, to make sure you're getting your lender what they need uh, so that we can get you what you need. And then if you don't have if you don't do the digital thing and you deal with paper copies again, if you fax something over, scan and fax it. Well, if you scan it in, it'll convert it to a PDF. But if you're faxing it over, make sure none of the pages get stuck. Make sure it goes through completely. OK, and then or if you're going to go to the bank physically, get in a, a transaction history or what have you, make sure that the teller stamps. Right. Puts their John Hancock on each page because that's the validation uh, part on those uh, transaction uh, histories that you're sending. So that we as the lender know that, you know, you didn't just print these up yourself. So hopefully that makes sense. Let's move on. Um, well, you know what? I'm kind of skipping. But again, how you can go to a brokerage website or we can use third party um, apps or com companies like we use. It. We, we use a company called Phonicity that kind of helps people pull all that information in electronically if you choose to use so. OK, now. Now we're going to the last section, which is identification. OK, now when it comes to identification. Um, we're going to check, double check, <laughs> triple check. And then what you need to know is 
we're going to go directly to the source. Whoever is the issuer of the documentation, we're going to validate with them. And I, we just had a recent debacle. Won't go into it. Hopefully the folks that the debacle happened with aren't watching, but we're going to check guys. And you know, unfortunately these folks weren't able to close because something popped up that caused a chain reaction and took a, uh, easy approval and made it a manual underwrite. And then the folks couldn't meet those, those conditions. So know that we're going to validate your identification and it must, and it has to be accurate. Right. And so why? Because of mortgage fraud, <laughs> it is just what it is. And you know what? Mortgage fraud doesn't have to be, uh, you can, you can commit mortgage fraud and not even know it. Okay, you don't have to be out here on, you know, waking up on a daily basis with nefarious intent to commit mortgage fraud. Simply not disclosing a debt that you had uh, could be construed as mortgage fraud. So this is very serious, guys. And, and another thing that I didn't put on here, the why is the reason we're able to leverage, borrow the money that we're able to borrow here in America. The investor must be made whole. The person that's lending the money has to get their money back for your kids and folks behind you, Lord willing, to be able to take advantage and to leverage, put three to five percent down on the lower end, especially for a first time home buyer, depending on your situation and leverage a home that for 80, 90 percent of everyday average Americans who aren't going to invest who aren't going to learn how to deal with the stock market and things of that nature. Your home is your greatest asset over time as it builds that equity. So that's another reason that I didn't put on there. And it's a great reason, right? So we got to make sure that uh, identification is, is accurate. Okay. Now, how, well, not the how, the what I'm getting ahead of myself, what we as lenders are going to need driver's licenses. Okay. Passports, social security cards, Permanent resident alien cards. Again, legible. These are typically things that you're going to take pictures of, especially of those of us with a uh, melanin in your skin. If you fax, photocopy things, you want to do it in a color version because if you do it in black and white, <laughs> you know, it doesn't come out flattering. Okay. Nowadays, we all have these uh, $1,000 computers. We're walking around with tracking devices, whatever you want to call them. Uh, take a picture. OK, make sure you get the entire document in frame. And again, if you blow it up, make sure you can still see the information. OK, now we're going to go into the how. If you're missing any of this information, hopefully you're not. But you can go out to the Social Security Administration for a Social Security card. OK, uh, Department of Public Safety typically is where you can go get a license or a driver's license, things of that nature. Uh, you can go to the post office for a passport. There's other ways you could get passports, um, but post office is a place you could go. You could Google it, Google it, and get the information if that's what you want to use. Uh, or if you um, are a trying to become a citizen or trying to renew your permanent resident alien card, uh, the United States Citizen and Immigration Services in your in your city. Okay. Uh, but if you have one of those situations, or if you need some help, I always reach out to your lender. And they should be able to give you some guidance on that. All right, guys. So before I get out of here, I want to give some best practices to everything that we just went over. 
And to me, the best practice is this. You need to have a file system. If you're somebody who wants to go analog and, and do papers and things of that nature, that's fine. You know, get a manila envelope or whatever type of envelope, put some tabs on it. And you want to keep these documents so that you're able to shop when that time comes. That's why most people don't shop and they just go to one place because it just seems like, oh, it's a task and I'm done with it. Uh, so if you create a system nowadays online, you know, if, depending on what email service you have, there's a lot of free accounts out. But OneDrive is with Microsoft. Uh Dropbox, I think they have a free version of an online storage place. Uh, Google Drive uh, tied to Gmail. And if you have an iPhone, iCloud, right? These are places where you can keep these folders and keep these documents. And, and you know, as an aside, you might want to keep the practice going as you go forward. Because whenever opportunities arise, the reason most people miss out on the opportunities is because they do not have the proper documentation or know where to get it. So, um, in summary, in summary, guys, uh, before you apply for a home loan, I mean, it's essential to have all these documents ready. Okay. And, and you need to know the requirements of these documents. And that's why I try to do these videos to give it to you, uh, and give you an understanding so you can educate yourself so that you can avoid delays and or denials when you go out to make, you know, what's one of the largest purchases that most folks will make in their adult life. You see what I'm saying? So um, that's what I want to leave you with. And let me do this. Uh, let's see here. We'll leave it there. I'll leave you with this, guys. Um, thanks for listening to the podcast. Okay. And we hope that you found this information helpful in understanding documentation's role in your loan approval and overall home buying experience. So I want to ask you to please leave a review, subscribe and hit the notification bell so that you know whenever we drop new content. And uh, I want to invite you in advance to join us again on our next episode next week when we discuss the differences between pre-qualification and pre-approval. So until then, my time is up, but I thank you for yours. As I always say, let's be good to one another. Let us let grace abound. And then until the next time, peace. Y'all be blessed.